Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Hey, guys. And uh, today we're talking about uh, graduate school exams. Indeed. For Specifically for physics, but I guess it can kind of be pretty much any qualifying exam for PhD school um, if you're applying to a graduate program, right? Yeah, we get real specific with physics, though, so right. mostly for physicists, but yeah. you guys who are in PhD program who aren't physics can yeah. probably enjoy it, especially if you're adjacent like math or engineering. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And, and I mean, in general, we give some good, I think, some advice about how to navigate maybe looking at schools that have different types of examinations. I think some of this stuff is universal. Yeah. Um, so Pretty standardized. Yeah. And then at the very end, we kind of wrap it up with uh, some advice on, uh, there's this gentleman who made a decent like kind of outline of what not to do. If you want to pass your PhD, right? Uh, if you want to survive a PhD program, at least, right? So, so if you're already feeling bad about PhD, don't look at this. But <laughs> <laughs> no, it's mm-hmm. fine though. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, just definitely um, we give as many tips as we can about the whole test taking mm-hmm. process and what we think about it. So um, yeah, mm-hmm. definitely you want to check it out. Yeah. And uh, make sure, guys, just once again, like, comment, subscribe, mm-hmm. share, all that good stuff. Yes. Check out the eigenbros.com. I actually put up some of um, our homeworks from our school on there so you guys can check it out and uh, test your own skills and see what you want, you know, if you want to just do some practice problems. Um, also, oh, he did that, by the way. I didn't, I didn't. Yeah, but it's our it's our same. Uh, it's we have the same homework. So <laughs> he did it, not me, just for the record. Just, uh, <laughs> okay, it's my homeworks. <laughs> Spoiler. Spoiler. But alert. um, but he has really nice LaTeX. Yeah. Stuff, yeah. So yeah. But we got eigenbros.com. We got the homeworks. Mm-hmm. We have at eigenbros on Twitter, mm-hmm. and we have the TikTok eigenbros too, mm-hmm. and then we have Instagram eigenbros. So check all that out, guys, and we'll see you in a second. Yes. Three. Two, one, ladies and gentlemen, we're live. We are live for another episode of Eigen Bros. Indeed, welcome, Eigen Cats, <laughs> and all Eigen peoples, um, all the Eigen peoples of the world. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> we uh, today we want to do a special topic, right? Mm-hmm. This is a uh, kind of geared towards uh, grad students, well, physics students interested in going to grad school sure it can even be toward it can even be people in graduate school yeah 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 so we kind of just it's more towards the physics uh student audience yeah let's say sponsored by monster energy drink (laughs) don't don't say that take that away from the camera yeah censored censored Censored, yeah i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to blur that footage (laughs) (laughs) Woo. But yeah, so this one's going to be more for the physics people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So mind you, my energy levels are kind of low because I got I just got done um, getting off of a two day tender bender, as I like to call it. Tender bender. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no chicken tenders. Whoa. Buddy. Oh, I was wondering. I was like, what does that mean? No, 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 no. Buddy, I love chicken on. tendies. Dude, same. <laughs> Actually, I had some last night. Uh, I had some two days ago and it was not good. <laughs> it's not good for my uh, good for ulcerative colitis. Ladies oh, what's oh that's uh, some intestinal. Shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're just talking about that. Fried foods, yeah. Fried foods will do some damage. Yeah, um, yeah. So stay away from it, folks. You know, when you get up to my age, you know, when how old do you want? Cracking, you're cracking your thirties. Ooh, buddy. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, actually, comment below. See, guess how old I am. Too late. <laughs> <laughs> Crack into your 30s. I guess yeah. you didn't really say. 
No, no, no. It's because any 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 age after twenty five, and I I was like, well, I'm thirty now. True. You know what I'm saying? It's it's all the same. After it really a while. is after yeah. a while. Because yeah, once Ish. I once I passed over the twenty five, that's over the hill, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like if there are any distinct barriers between like mm-hmm. twenty five and thirty. Mm-hmm. Not many. No. It's like maybe getting a house or something, or sure. And even that, not really. No, but I can tell you, really, all that's changed is the time just goes by faster. Yeah. Like, it accelerates. <laughs> it's just insane. Yeah. Yeah. So nothing to look forward to. <laughs> I mean, one, no, really, once I was 25, I was like, hmm. All right, so this is uh, just kind of, okay, anyway, I don't, don't want to get too depressive. But anyway, the uh, today, uh, we, we want to do you all a favor and talk about um, what it's like to sort of, I guess, steer yourself or navigate yourself through a graduate program that has um, certain barrier of entry that, you know, that's a little bit of QC, as some people like to call it. In QC? Yeah, quality control. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, a little bit of QC. That's what I call it. <laughs> it's, quality uh, of insurance. Quality <laughs> of insurance, like uh, when you're getting the... Um, the uh the, the factory testing on vehicles yeah, and then yeah, you yeah, dump yeah. out the ones that suck yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> so this is the process the university programs have in ph in most phd programs they have a mm-hmm. proficiency exam um now of course yeah some of them call it the prelim some of them call it the qualifying exam mm-hmm. you know ours calls it the qualifying exam yeah 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 but it's a little bit Every every school does it differently. I think there's no real clear cut way, at least in America and the United States of America. I know in Europe it's a lot different, right? Just off the cuff, I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure because I didn't research in Europe, yeah. but I'm pretty sure it is yeah. in a lot of places. Just from the fact that when I applied to European countries um, before I was accepted to a physics program, mm-hmm. um, they had different requirements for it. Mm-hmm. So I assume it is. Yes. I don't know yeah. if that's general, but there are places. Yeah, and typically a bachelor's in Europe uh, is a master's in the U.S. From mm. the, the 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 transfer rate isn't like one to one. I see. At least from what I from what I gather, because um, <clears throat> a lot of students that come with a bachelor's here, they they they're already pretty doing pretty well. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, so yeah, you you, I guess you would have probably done your homework about this before you apply to a school or apply to different schools and like you're kind of weighing your options and you're like well uh this school has good professors and stuff but i don't like that they have a proficiency exam that's all or nothing yeah i think a lot of people get turned off by the fact that they're like okay i have to apply here and then i have to still pass another exam to stay in the program Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. But the thing is, in the U.S., that's pretty common, right? Yes. Like, you're going to have some kind of proficiency exam. And, of course, to even get into most physics schools, you're going to have to have the PGRE, which is, um, for those of you who aren't familiar, it's the physics. Um, uh, what's GRE stand for, one? Do you remember? Graduate. Um, Regional exam or something? or Yeah, something like that. I don't know. Who uh, fucking yeah. cares? Graduate <laughs> regency. I don't, I don't know. Some Basically, bullshit it's exam. A, it's an exam you have to take because, uh, again, it's a proficiency exam yeah and it tells schools how good um the physics knowledge that you have at the because it's all university physics yeah right so nothing too crazy multiple choice it's it's not it's right or wrong it's multiple choice okay i can't even remember anymore i guess it has to be right that'd be impossible to grade (laughs) exactly (laughs) uh it's multiple choice so um 
Yeah. So ba- basically, just um, you have to take the exam. You get a score, and most schools already filter your application through that alone. They say, okay, we're only taking students with the 690 or something. Right. And then from there, they, yeah. From there, it's kind of a... Do you remember what you got on the PGRE? No. Okay, I think I got like a 500 or something. Oh, I don't For know. For those of you who don't know, that's like really fucking bad. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. Um, I didn't pay attention to it. Yeah, I think the highest it goes is like in the 900s or something. Yeah, I knew a guy who scored like a perfect score. We've got some people in our school that scored, perfect. scored um, maybe not perfect, but in perfect the 900s close. range. I know a couple guys. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, it's it's possible. It's an exam. If you know how to study for the exam, you'll be okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's just a lot of students get caught up in the, and if you're one of these students, um, you get caught up in the wave of your last year, and the momentum of everything in classes and finishing up everything that you don't really have a lot of time to study and review. So you kind of just go in the GRE, the physics GRE exam, a little bit underprepared you know what i'm saying yeah depending on the person though yeah because there are util there are um what is it called not utilities but there are um resources mm-hmm. with the pgre i know that you can kind of use yeah. to help you study like there's books i've seen books flashcards um, there's flashcards yeah flash do you <laughs> yeah i have the conquering the physics jury book okay get that get that folks get that right now there's also um, not only flashcards. There's also classes I've even seen. So there's websites that have um, PGRE. Oh, there you go. This is the textbook. actually that's the same one I got. Yeah, this is. The I forgot I actually want. bought that book. <laughs> hey, I, oh, I remember this. You just you just gave me a flashback, man. Because I remember um, being <laughs> on the road doing fiber optic, mm-hmm. and then trying to study for PGRE after working ten hour days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, okay, this ain't gonna work. Yeah. It, it, most of the time, if you study, if you pick up, if you pair this with a good uh, physics university textbook, it should be enough to have you make like a decent grade. I think um, I actually took off. I think I actually took off work to take the PGRE. Damn, that's such a long time ago, though. Mm-hmm. I barely remember, and I think I improved by like ten points. <laughs> oh Jesus! <laughs> I mean, it's also about the efficacy of studying. Um, in a, for an exam like this, yeah, if there's if it's been a long time since you've seen a lot of this, and this goes for qualifying exams too, um, and this is advice that I would give to students because I, I was a master's student and transferred into a PhD program, mm-hmm. and so uh, I would say try to pair, try to pair all like because if you're taking your classes in chunks, uh, where they're all in sequence. Try to take the proficiency exam or the qualifying exam where, when your knowledge is fresh. Yeah. Otherwise, you'll have to recall things, a lot of things that you learned two years ago. Yeah. And that could be pretty rough, especially when it's a test, yeah. you know, in the style where they have you to do all of it at once. Mm-hmm. It can be a little bit tough. <laughs> yes. Especially recalling. Yeah. Recalling. I, I, I mean, I've had situations like that where I'm recalling things that were like from a year and a half ago, maybe the, the a class that I took in the beginning of my right. graduate career. Right. And that's brutal. Brutal. It's, I mean, yeah, you're, you're just almost set up to, to not do well. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, there, there's strategy in all this. So think about everything strategically, um, and taking the exam and the same for the GRE, obviously think about it strategically, have a clear plan of action and stuff. And, uh, what, what so let's kind of get this a little bit towards this objective here. Mm-hmm. One, what do you, um, think of, uh, 
What do you think of the PGRA in general? Like, what's your take? Is it? Do you think it's? Uh, do you think it's a um, an apt way to measure someone's uh, ability? <clears throat> I think exams have a hard. They they they're used for a reason, but they're not the tell all mm. of intelligence because I, I think there are certain types of people that can do well on exams. Yeah. But there are certain types of people where their knowledge shines more on the depth of intelligence and like and having sort of this is why schools adopted oral examinations, because mm-hmm. I think the depth, the, the fact that you can have a discussion with someone, you know what I mean, um, about yeah. a certain topic is a lot more. It, it makes a lot more sense for a Ph.D. student as opposed to passing a written test. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and uh, yeah, some schools do that, like, for instance, uh uh, UC Boulder or University of Colorado Boulder. I have a friend who goes there, and she, she, yeah, she's she's like I take a a sort of oral exam. That's my qualifying exam. Um, at least a part of it. I I think. Yeah, I I think that's like the main one of the main things. Yeah, I I have a list of some uh-huh. of the schools on there sure. that actually have um some oral exams as the thing. You don't have to pull them up now, but um. I just got a collection of schools on sure. here that basically have their qualifications, and yeah. some of them are just oral exams. Yeah, which is which is, in some ways, a lot more challenging, but in other ways, like I think I think an oral exam would benefit people like you and me a lot more because yeah. during during examination time, like if if we go into a class and take an exam. I think the the <clears throat> at least the shared character tra- traits that we have are geared more towards um, building. We don't like to memorize things. We like to actually, we don't like to bullshit. Well, I would like to memorize things, but I just cannot. <laughs> well, <laughs> I have, I have, yeah. a, I have a, um, what do you call it? I have Trust a issues. lack. No, I have a, <laughs> I have a lack of ability mm-hmm. to memorize. So yeah. I can't even do it. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's, it's uh, yeah. And if you can memorize problems and you can recognize, Oh, I remember this. Now I used to be able to get away with that. A lot when I was younger, mm. it used to be. Yeah, it, it used when your to make memory a lot more was sense. actually usable. Exactly, but now, <laughs> no, now I struggle because I'm like, wow, I don't remember how to. I don't remember what the answer was. I used to kind of have mm. photographic memory, but yeah, yeah. When you're really young, though, right? It just disappeared. <laughs> it just yeah. went away. It just got hazier. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it, I, think I blame uh, marijuana. No, I, I blame <laughs> for I, me for myself. Oh, I see. <laughs> uh, I just blame age, but. Yeah, just uh, you're not gonna if you if you're one of these people that rely on memory, you don't have very long to do mm-hmm. this. So try try to, you know. Anyway, steering away from that <laughs> for that point. Well, what uh, I I think that exams do gauge a certain type of uh, or or at least are a decent metric of some sort of knowledge about certain topics but they don't necessarily give you a whole picture i think i think an oral exam makes more sense yeah yeah same here i think so because if you're in front of a committee of your peer of of not your peers but of uh professors and you're willing to argue with them and discuss with them and talk and they see that you're not like some bumbling idiot who's just reciting things from memory Mm -hmm. that makes a lot more well i've noticed so on that list there i gave you one i noticed that some of the more top tier schools. So I, I got a list of the top institutions in the United States for physics. We're talking um, Cornell, Caltech. 100%. Princeton. MIT, all those big names. So they're all top tier, right? But I noticed that um, some of them, the ones that specifically were um, 
Well, actually, no, I can't remember what their rankings were, but I think that a lot of them had oral examinations because I think it's they, they had some commonality, the ones that had the oral examination in the sense that they had the philosophy of, you know, if you're already at this level and you've already made it to this institution, really, they already know that your physics knowledge is kind of um, adept. So the only reasoning behind the exam would just be to to filter out students, right? But the philosophy is that if you're already here, you've already been filtered. So really, the oral examination is the only thing that kind of makes sense. Just a way to improve your depth of knowledge on a particular subject, and then you can be tested on that depth of knowledge rather than some yeah. arbitrarily timed test. Yeah. And some schools have this as... Um like this is sort of at least the school that we're familiar with kind of does um, a sort of oral exam, but that's like your sort of your candidacy test. You mean at our school? Yeah. Okay. Like the candidacy test. Yeah, right? that's it's like the, down the line. Yeah, but it's yeah. after your qualifying exam, but you still have to do sort of an oral exam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this one I made sure that some of these institutions, it was distinct from what you're talking mm-hmm. about. Because for some schools, the oral exam is the preliminary exam. It's the mm-hmm. one that you take during your first, second year of mm-hmm. graduate school. Mm-hmm. And then they'll have some other thing for the... Um, yeah. Oh, Kitty's, Kitty's falling through the hole. Through. Well, <laughs> goodbye. There she goes. Don't let her claw you. <laughs> She's clawing. Ow. Yeah. <laughs> She's like stuck. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> is getting his junk messed up. There no, she goes. But, uh, but yeah, the... Um, yeah, so... So what what do you think? What do you think about the exams? You you think it's you think obviously you're saying oral exams are better. Yeah, prefer. so I I think I share the same sentiment as you mostly. I mean, I think exams are kind of just a a, a weed out process. Um or, or if it's not a weed out process, it's kind of just a way to um lazily Maybe I don't want to say lazily. Um it's just I I feel like it's kind of a um I don't really see the use in it. In, in actually testing someone's ability. Mm-hmm. I see it as a useful thing to test someone's ability to regurgitate. Mm-hmm. Um, regurgitate concepts within a given time period. Mm-hmm. But then if you're asking, like, what's the usefulness in that in physics, I don't really see one that... that uh, I don't see a use for that in being a physicist. So I don't see yeah. what the purpose for that would be um, in terms of trying to show someone's physics ability or their ability to do physics. Mm-hmm. Um, so the only thing that really makes sense is to me is just a way to filter out students, you know, a way, a way yeah. to trim the fat. Um, and it seems like that's kind of what a lot of institutions are, right? I've come to realize that a lot of things in life aren't really hard. It's just the fact that, um, and, and, and the thing is, and, and because of that, the reason why you the reason why it's hard to get to higher and higher levels of some institution or mm-hmm. some, let's say to some position is because of the barriers that you have to go through. Right. So the barriers are the hard part, but they're kind of like these arbitrarily hard um, filters mm-hmm. that are made in such a way to just see, can you put up with the annoying BS? Yeah. And basically that kind of makes sense because if someone can put up with a bunch of BS and operate within an institution, that shows that they're kind of built for an institution, which is kind of a good thing because you want your institutions to run because there's a lot of BS in institutions, right? Like yeah. you have to be doing a bunch of, you know, bureaucratic, bureaucratic stuff. bullshit. So yeah. 
if that's what it is, you know, that's what it is, right? So it kind of makes sense to me. Um, but yeah, but uh, in terms of testing um, uh, someone's acuity for doing physics, I don't really see um, the usefulness. Now, I'm a play devil's advocate here. So I, I think <clears throat> I think there's good reason why exams are used, though. Uh, because it's an efficient way to to kind of gauge, you know, where a person's at, at least, uh, with some of these concepts. Now, a lot of the people that do pass a lot of these exams end up saying that, well, you know, at the time that I took the exam, I was probably my most, I, I probably had a more cohesive picture of physics because I was reviewing a lot of stuff. But, um, but you know, three years, four years down the line, you're like, I don't remember most of it. Yeah, you I see what you're like, saying. I don't, I don't remember how to do any of it. So, so at the end of the day, I mean, yeah, I guess you're right, but that it kind of is kind of whatever. But um, I think what makes more sense in terms of structuring an exam would be maybe doing, um, if you're going to have an exam, do it to where it's you can pass by subject. Mm, yeah, the, the all or nothing structure is not really favorable. Yeah. Um, in the sense of like efficiency and time. Right. And this is, I guess is specific to some institutions. I think some schools, a lot of schools do though. I think a lot of them do. I think most of the ones that I pulled up on the top 10 do the Mm -hmm. all or nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, However, I can't really say for sure because I think that specific might be something that's more talked about in the actual, actual institution rather than just on the online criteria. Um, But from what I gathered from those resources, it sounded kind of like that. Um, yeah. Because they do very similar to how we do it here, where it's like you'll take an exam for a full day and then you take the second half for another yeah, full yeah, day. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think the all or nothing is kind of um, unrealistic. Yeah, I, I think it, it doesn't make sense if you want to maximize. Um, yeah, I mean, like if you're in a scenario with, like, say, students that are taking, say, master students, for instance, if they only took maybe two or three the the core physics subjects mm-hmm. um, of graduate core at least then you kind of run into the problem of like you not knowing other the other subjects yet or not having gone through the other sort of more rigorous graduate courses and and then you stumble upon like the problem of yeah you, you don't remember a lot of these things because you know you have to review a lot farther back than your than yeah. the cohort that you're taking an exam with it's right. it's a problem right right as opposed to passing if if you pass it by subject, then you can just focus on your one weak point or something. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. It makes a lot more sense. But I think a lot of schools, like Terrence is saying, are more interested in, in weeding out people. They could be. One thing yeah. I've noticed that um, the schools who do the, who take a lot of stock in the qualifying mm-hmm. exam is, I think they have lower requirements for the PGRE. So mm-hmm. I think there's a correlation because with our school, for instance, there was a low requirement with the PGRE, mm-hmm. so they have a lot of stress on the qualifying exam. And then the schools that have high requirements for PGRE have lower requirements for the um, qualifying exam. Yeah. So it kind of makes sense in that way that they're, that, that, that barrier is like the testing barrier. So it's either your test barrier is the PGRE or your test barrier is the qualifying exam. But and it's usually not going to be an institution that has both, but sometimes they yeah. do. Well, you're better off right now, folks, I'll tell you right now, you're better off with the PGRE. 
I think. Yeah, yeah. I think so too. If you can get if you can get a, as high as a PGRE as possible, yeah. that will be a better hack for you yes. than trying to put that off and then trying to do it for the qualifying exam. Yeah, because qualifying exams in most institutions are based off of their own course, graduate coursework. Yeah. And I guarantee you it's not, some of it might be some undergrad stuff, some undergraduate stuff that you should they, know. They usually do. But it's like a mixed bag, I think. For the most yeah, I think it's a mixed bag, but I think the the main test is you have complete undergraduate proficiency in physics. Yes, at the very least. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I know, I know that university, like University of uh, Chicago, um, or yeah, UC Chicago, yeah, they, they have, um, they have, at least their qualifying exams, there's like a whole textbook that's out there mm. of like, of all their questions and it's pretty rigorous. Oh, okay. It's pretty rigorous for uh, for sort of an an undergraduate uh, There are some qualifying. <laughs> in, our, in, our, in our qual bank, this is the bank that we use for when we want to look at old tests. Yeah. There were some brutal ass questions in there. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. There's some questions in there that I'm like, like, this are is you not joking. Gonna, yeah. I'm like, this is not going to take you. 40 minutes yeah <laughs> this is gonna take the quals and our, our quals are what how many questions one six six questions in four hours six questions in four hours yeah and some of those questions i'm like literally i could see you taking over an hour on one of those questions sometimes yeah especially if you kind of don't really if you didn't review a certain topic or you didn't review a certain topic well you'll definitely have to work from building from scratch in yeah a lot of ways. but the thing is like I don't know if you can ever review enough unless you right. exactly guess and then what's going to be a on lot the test. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so yeah, it's it's tricky. It's these exams are are very tricky and for for a very good reason. I mean, some people might get lucky and study the right things. Yeah, uh, which is the case for some people. Um, yeah, I've never understood those types. I'm like, how the fuck do you always guess the right shit on the exam? <laughs> Every time I try to do that, it's a fail. Yeah, a big fail. Oh yeah, I've gotten lucky. <laughs> I got lucky with certain That's attempts. That's so rare for me to ever get lucky. Yeah. Well, this one I got unlucky because the only, my most previous, my qualifying attempt, I had one problem that I, the one problem I didn't answer was a mm. problem that I saw in the, in the, in the sort of test bank. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was like, this problem is so stupid. They wouldn't, they wouldn't put the problem. <laughs> and, they, and they did. They chose the problem. That's literally my thought process on like every <laughs> exam. And then it's always on the exam. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, because it's a, yeah. And and so yeah, like Terrence is saying, your best bet is probably just trying to study everything and, and getting a good sense of. I mean, really, it's about flexing that muscle. Yeah, like more than anything, that exam taking muscle though. Yes, which is kind of a useless muscle, but it's like yes. Unfortunately, it seems like something you have to cultivate if you want to survive within that academic framework. Mm -hmm. Um. Yes. Yeah. So, I've never really liked it. I've always thought it was a waste of time because yeah. exams are literally have nothing to do with physics or real life. Yeah. Um, but if you want to go in academia and pass your courses, mm -hmm. you got to have some type of exam taking ability, unfortunately. Yeah. So, I mean, shit, did you want to go over like the, the type of, well, cause like you sure we can, we, so we've got a list here of um, the different schools and their qualifying mm -hmm. requirements. So I was just figured you could read maybe some of the qualifying requirements for some of the top tier institutions and just we can compare them to a, our own experiences, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, just going off of MIT, MIT is probably the, the one. Uh, yeah, the that's one a go-to. It's like, you know, 
I mean, come on, world yeah. renowned. Um, so so right right away, MIT's general doctoral exam is uh, it's they call it a written exam. Yeah. Um, they they cover like the four main core subjects, right, in physics, which are electricity and magnetism, class mech, classical mechanics, statistical mechanics, and quantum mechanics. And uh, and it says that students take each topic as a separate seventy five minute exam. Mm-hmm. So that's even crazier. In my yeah. Uh, selecting one or two presented written questions, and their performance is evaluated separately for each section. And then students also meet any uh, students may also meet any one of the topic requirements through classwork. Huh. That's kind of nice. Yeah. Written exams are administered, and results are available prior to the fall and spring semester. So. Um, and and they're also nice enough to post uh, written exams, previous written exams, and solutions as well. Yeah, so I'd be like on it on like a motherfucker if it if it was the classwork that could count for the yeah, exam. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I would try to knock out as many of those yeah, exams as possible. Yeah, there are certain students that are built more for home. Like, I certainly am built where I tend to like to digest information and process it. Mm. And, and we were killing it on the homework game. Yeah, we would lie. because we, we would, were destroying the homework yeah, game. Yeah, because we would, you know, I mean, I like to build a solid foundation and 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 uh, really get all to the, you know, eat, eat it to the the bone. You know what yeah. I'm saying? We would have so much fun doing those fucking homeworks. <laughs> yeah, they were great. <laughs> um, but with you know with exams, it's a lot tougher. Some people are just I I know people that are just natural exam takers and yeah yeah it's a certain kind of switch in a brain or something that just makes you more prone to thinking on the fly and i mean it's not to say that i don't think on the fly it's just yeah i feel like i'm good at thinking on the fly i feel like i'm not good at taking exams <laughs> <laughs> so i don't know if those skills correlate right i'm not sure i don't know they'd have to, the studies would have to be done i think uh because yeah i, I like to sit and think about mm-hmm. before committing my pen to paper about the thing that I'm 100% sure yeah, about. Yeah, I think that that thing you hit the nail on the head more so. I feel like with physics, um, especially uh, people who are more, um, who like to take in information for long periods of time, it's kind of you don't even want to touch the pen and paper unless you've given the whole problem a lot of thought first. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I knew when, when we did homeworks, we were, it was kind of like you're building the scaffolding first. It's like yeah. you're building a building. Yeah. It's like we had to fuck up a couple times in order to get to the right answer. Yeah. Because, you know, you you may think it's like one way, but you need to test. You need to sometimes test whether something is wrong or off mm-hmm, or not mm-hmm. and play with the system a little bit to see if you're actually going the right direction. Yeah. But you can't really do that in an exam because when that when you're doing that on an exam, you oh, Press well, you time. already you already lost all your time. Yeah. You, yeah. hundred percent. So it just it just just to me, physics and tests just don't translate to me i don't i don't get the transition mm. the only way it would make sense to me is if you can memorize the problems and it's just like mm-hmm. if you're doing that that's not physics i don't know how how what else you can do right right hmm. yeah i mean it's, or be so proficient that you're just yeah you know you're at such advanced level well, you can well, do it but i that's wonder i wonder rare. i wonder what committees look for because in some instances there, like for instance there's a problem uh there's a problem i could think about that had to deal with like light wavelength of light coming in and hitting like a certain boundary of or film of something. And it asked you to find the wavelength of the, the, the outgoing um, reflected wave. Okay. The transmitted. So 
um you know you might be inclined to use some optics knowledge and stuff yeah. and you know maybe maybe you're like okay maybe snell's law maybe i could figure something yeah, out i was thinking snell's law yeah um and you can it's just very yeah it, it's it's extra no it, it's just let's say you didn't have it if you didn't if you saw that problem for the first time mm-hmm it's very hard to, and let's say you only knew like very few, very, very little optics tools. Like you know, you you get Snell's law. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe maybe you could sort of gather that. Maybe you can approximate that. Um, this particular like film, the molecule served as a diffraction gradient or something, and you can say like, oh, you know, then then I can use like, I I mean, I there's just Snell's law seems simple enough. For that question, though, sure, but you'd, ha- you'd, you'd have to you'd have to then gauge how you can translate that to a wavelength, like Snell's law. So it's just, it's a lot trickier than, okay. than it seems. So I, I was sure. sitting I was sitting there thirty minutes left, and I was like, "What can I do in thirty minutes <laughs> <laughs> to figure something out?" And I I absolutely like I don't know how I pulled this out of my ass, but I did, and uh, and I ended up getting a, a, a decent. I think it's interesting enough answer mm. where I hope the committee says, yeah, this guy, this guy <laughs> thinks pretty good on his feet. I mean, he may not have gotten it, but <laughs> that's your fantasy. At least that's my fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, it's one of our harsher instructors like yeah. fucking idiot. <laughs> Dumbass. <laughs> Giant couldn't, red X. Couldn't even use snails. Well, no, I'm just kidding. No, I use snails. Well, but it didn't give you, didn't give you the full answer, but, yeah. but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, certain committees might look for certain things, right? So they they might be able to tell if you just memorized it. They might be able to tell if you... I don't know. I think they're looking... I think they might not be necessarily... Because a lot of people say, attempt every problem and write something down and get... Mm-hmm. Try to answer the most you can for every every question. Say if you're taking this exam, just write something down. Even, even if you're... Even if you're trying to save yourself from embarrassment because you're like, I did not review this, mm-hmm. just try to reason through the problem using first principles and what you do know as as a matter of fact, yeah. and then build up with that. And yeah, just try to have some sense of confidence in your responses so that you can at least have a reason why you're arguing this. And don't just like bullshit, because I, I know some students just said, well, I just wrote like the, the outgoing wavelength for this particular problem that I'm talking about was red. If you just write that down, they're not going to give you any points. There's no reasoning behind mm. it. I think as long as you can reason through certain problems and like find a way to like use math and you do some physics and they can kind of, res- I think res- at least respect that, that you Maybe. attempted a solution, even though it wasn't a hundred percent, they're at least seeing that you can think mm-hmm. physically. I used to sometimes write out my thought, process yeah. on exams i don't know if it helped and i heard at all. that works does it i heard that oh. you can get some points that way too but then i would write shit like oh yeah how do i take a determinant again <laughs> <laughs> and then i think that probably counted against me 100 <laughs> it's better to just say oops because i would then have to remember how to derive the determinant or what the determinant even means and then i was like oh yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> jesus i'm not that bad but yeah it's <laughs> um but yeah man just um yeah i, I think uh Anyway, MIT is, I guess they, they do it pretty decently. I think that that sounds to me like they have a trade-off. Yeah. You can either take the class. But to get an M- MIT, I mean, what do you have to have, like a 900 PGRE? <laughs> and a 4.0? Yeah. Yeah. 
I'm sure it's uh, a crazy, crazy requirement list. But mm-hmm. hey, you know, that's the way to go if you want to get in the like these top tier institutions. The, the the hack is to get in them is a lot harder than to get kicked out of them. So once you're in, yeah. you're good. So it just means you put in a lot of effort into getting your GPA up, you know, your credentials up, and all that stuff, and then really hammer in the test, and then you're you're you know you're solid. Yep. And then uh, so Terrence was nice enough to bring up Yale's qualifying exam. Mm. So Yale, now Yale is, I don't know if they're, I don't know where they're on the physics rankings. They, they're probably still they're, top 10. Uh, they're, actually, I'm not sure if they're top 10, but they're like, if they're not top 10, they're like top 15. Yeah. At least in, in a certain segment of physics, I don't think in general, but but yeah, they also have, uh, they also have an exam, written exam. Um, <clears throat> so... Apparently, <clears throat> if a first-year student passes... Hold on. So, any entering student may take the qualifying exam at the start of their first year, but if a first-year student passes the exam, it satisfies the requirement, period. If the student doesn't pass, it doesn't count against the student. So, it does not count as one of the two permitted opportunities to pass for them. So Okay. That's, we kind of get that a little bit. That's kind of nice. Yeah. Um, but the exam will consist of four parts with two questions in each part. So they, they do less questions, I think. Um, I think we do, at least our institution does 12. Yeah. And they're kind of a, an assortment, a mixed bag. Mm-hmm. Like you don't know what questions you're getting or what And number. what's the length of time? Like five hours? In total? No, f- per day. Four. Four hours per day. Okay. Four hours, six questions. That means 40 minutes per question. You have, Brutal. You have to know your shit. So, uh... <clears throat> So yeah, the exam. So most schools they do class, classical mechanics, electricity and magnetism, like I was saying, quantum mechanics and statistical mechanics. So these these are these are probably universally across the board. All all schools will have this. Yeah. Now some schools, like the school that me and Terrence attend, like it's it's uh what do they have? Uh, modern the physics. They have modern. Oh physics. yeah 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 yeah. So they but that'll be like some random nuclear question or some, you know, some condensed matter question. But it will be like a ba- a very basic one that right? you can sort of reason through yeah. for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it'll be like a nuclear question where you have two particles that split off, and then it's like an angular momentum question or something. Yeah, it won't be that much like into nuclear. Like or, we have to know what a Higgs boson does yeah, or something. Or if you know, yeah, you you just have to follow the math a lot of the time. Or you'll have a modern physics will just be code word for special relativity some kind of special relativity <laughs> right realm. yeah right which is more than likely what you'll see yeah at least in in this scenario but it's just the basics of relativity right like yeah you know you got to know how the transform the transform or the lens the lorentz transformations mm-hmm. and that kind of thing and it should be good boost and to calculate time dilation and yeah stuff it and should be pretty standard yeah um and yeah so they, they also have uh and they also have uh one written and one oral so um for Yale, the oh. written portion and, and uh, okay, and, uh, yeah. So yeah, it's it's kind of um, I mean like like okay, so you're looking at now MIT and Yale, they both have kind of similar structures, yeah. I guess. Uh, and then Caltech, which is arguably number one, are they? I think probably in the world, maybe so. I just when I googled this, I literally just typed in top institutions in the U S. top physics institutions in, oh. in the USA. I mean, Caltech has always been, I think. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember what the order was, honestly. But uh, 
but yeah, they also have a written candidacy exam. Um, but they have milestones in their in their program. Apparently. Yeah. Um, well, every program has milestones. I mean, apparently the comp- the basic physics requirement is is passing the written candidacy exam, so the qualifying exam. Um, but then there's also a, an advanced physics re- requirement, and then an oral candidacy exam. And then, um, yeah. Okay. So. So pretty much the same. Pretty much the same. Yeah. So just uh, for the. I think some of the ones towards the end had the oral exam. So look at the Cornell, maybe. Yeah, but like I said, like again, I guess topics wise, class mech, you have elect- electricity and magnetism, quantum mechanics, stat mech, and then they threw thermodynamics in there. We've had, we have thermodynamics. We don't also we? have thermodynamics. Yeah. That's considered modern physics. Yeah, exactly. In, in our, that's another our, one. Yeah. So uh, Harvard, Harvard has a qualifying oral exam, actually. Uh, oh, and also a written, I think a written exam. Too. Harvard has a fucking insane requirement for PGRE. I'm pretty sure. I think you need like a 900 minimum to get in there. Jesus. Huh. Wow. So yeah, just uh, if you folks are gonna aim high, you know, just uh, just make sure what you, you know what you're. <laughs> be aware of what you're getting into. Um, what do you mean? No, because some of these schools are, you know, they're high. They put all these barriers in of entry. Um, you know, because they want the real deal and stuff like that, and I get it. They're putting, they're pumping money into you, and they're probably yeah. paying you more, yeah, than the average graduate student. But, um, but in some sense, you're probably being all taught the same physics. Well, you definitely are. Yeah. <laughs> it's just how well. But you it's get being the taught. nice thing about getting into better institutions. The big perk is, of course, everybody loves the prestige. That's kind mm-hmm. of not. It's nothing though. I but. go to Yale. You know, you get to say you go to Yale or you go to <laughs> Harvard or whatever. But the big thing is you get a lot of access to good money and um, and people who are on the leading edge of research. But everybody yeah. in physics, in the PhD level, everyone's at the leading edge. But you might work for someone who's like the forerunner of that particular area. Yeah, or know? doesn't have as much money. Because the, the biggest differentiator between this, between these schools is really what it breaks down to is the bigger schools have more money. Like the yeah. Ivy League schools have more money, more resources. And so whoever you work for will more than likely have enough money and a big enough team so that you will more than likely be, be able to produce a lot of research papers. Exactly. So if you're so. a theoretical physicist, you don't really need that because theory, you know, you can do with a pen and a paper. Yeah. But the nice thing about that is that the bigger institutions might have more theory spots. Mm-hmm. So if you need more, if you really want to be a theorist, then you might have more opportunity to big school because they might mm-hmm. have, you know, several more professors or they might be able to take multiple students. Yeah. Whereas a smaller school might only have a couple professors who do theory and then they can only take one a, one a piece. Mm-hmm. Um, so money is usually going to give you better opportunity. Mm-hmm. So the big schools, really the incentive there is to get the, get a lot of good money and you know if you have a lot of money then you have more resources yeah so yeah i mean just man just it's 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 tough it's tough but make sure to do your homework about what schools have you want to be okay with the fact that certain schools do the exams the way they do because you know like terrence and i were saying we kind of uh we we i think we would do better in institutions that probably had our exams but then yeah but then, you know, I we, think our institution of choice, though, is a pretty good one yeah. for me personally. I always like to. So this is a, a trait of mine that I mm. that I try to kind of maximize. I kind of like to maximize the amount of bang for my buck. So 
you know, I like to choose institutions the same way where, you know, I'll, I'll go to an institution that's like kind of mid range um, where you can get a lot of value for your dollar, essentially. I mean, you're, you're getting paid to be there, but, you know, the institution I have is it doesn't have a crazy requirement for the PGR, PGRE or yeah, the PGRE. But we get a lot of value for that from that institution in the in terms of how good the instructors are, what their research is, and how much money they have. Um, so it's like it, it's if you really want to maximize yourself, you want to. It's best to find somewhere that has not super competition, but they have good resources, and it's not that hard. It's not insane to get in there. Um, but it's just it's just hard enough to where you're not going to have an oversaturation. So you you should really choose your institution, I think, in terms of how much return on your investment you're going to get. Right. So I don't think you should only chase it for the prestige or chase it, you know, for some some kind of silly reason like that. You want to just maximize your value, the value that you get from it. And also one thing you should always think about is, of course, the location, you know, like the location and the people you're working for. Like, that's huge. So if you like the guy or the gal you're working for and you like the place you're at, I mean, that's like a big chunk of it. So if yeah, so if you're trying to if you're trying to apply for schools, I would put those at the top of your list more so even than the research and the money that they have. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like you could look somewhere like Berkeley. I'm just scanning through their their uh, requirements here. And yeah, I mean, it's it's you're probably going to get the same format for a lot of schools to begin with. But yeah. But you do need to know the nitty gritty. You should get to know the nitty gritty a little bit. Like Terrence is saying, if you pick a middle of the road kind of university where it's where you'll get more than likely the same quality of teaching, um, but with uh, sort of like how would you say? You just um, you don't want to have to. You don't want these crazy requirements. Like to to for like let's say for an institution like Harvard, not to. Whoops. Damn that was it, a cat. cat. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Cat's knocking over shit. Jesus. But let's say like Harvard, I don't know if this is true anymore, but let's say at one point I saw Harvard needed like a 900 PGRE. To me, I don't think that's really worth the time and effort to put that much energy into a PGRE and money because you also have to pay for the PGRE. I think it would be smarter to maybe find an institution that let's say has a 600 or a 700 GRE requirement and they also have really high quality instructors. So what you'll do is you'll go to like Google Scholar or something like that along those lines and look up what professors are at those schools that have mm-hmm. those 600, 700 DRE requirements mm-hmm. and then see what kind of research they do. If they do good research and you like those professors, then I would go with those institutions. Mm-hmm. You know, So don't invest so much on the name of the institution because you can actually get not as good of a return on your investment, I don't think. No. Um, because the amount of stress and and effort you have to put in that's over the top might be more of a cost to you than a benefit. Yes. Yeah. In the long run. Yeah. So. Yeah, take take that take take that into advice because like it's um, especially if you're getting up there in age, if you're starting a, a PhD program, like say when you're 24, 25. And, and and as you get old, like even oh, twenty six, yeah. twenty seven, like if you, if you're like, no, I want to get a perfect GRE score, like you know, then then you're just you're adding time to that. Just yeah, it's better to just get started. Right, right. Um, 
for me, my main concern initially was just the location and the instructors. You know, I had to find the research that I wanted to do, and I had to find a good place that I wanted to live. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, I mean, just looking at just scanning through this, and most schools, like even Stanford, they have they have oral exams too as as parts part of their um, as part of their sort of PhD candidacy uh, milestones. Yeah. So on top of their written qualifying exam, so this is Stanford. Yeah. Stanford. Okay. Yeah, not not Stanford. There's like two Stanford. <laughs> Stanford. There's Stanford, and then there's Stanford. Is that the one that? Uh, <laughs> never mind. No, I was no, thinking no, of Stanford no. and Son. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it just yeah, and on top of that, yeah, it's just it's just graduate school is hard enough. You, you kind of want to pick somewhere where you're just you think is going to be something that you can do, like assess assess your level accurately don't lie to yourself don't be like no nah, well, I, I think if you get into any institution you can do it it's just that um you're saying you well, just gotta be smart about your choices you know because yeah. some places are gonna be more well even when you get into like let's say yeah. harvard or something yeah. i think that you'll still be probably at the same pace as anybody else in graduate school mm-hmm. but it's just at what cost to get in there mm-hmm. Is it worth that cost? Mm-hmm. If you're already a sh- if you're not a good test taker and you know you're not a good test taker, you're gonna have to kill yourself to get a 900 on a, on a PG on a PGRE. So would you rather do that or not try to kill yourself and try to get into a a 700 or 600 GRE institution with an oral exam? Yeah, preferably. sure, sure, something like if, that. If you're not a test taker, know your strengths and weaknesses is what yes. I'm saying. Yes, yeah, 100. percent if I could redo this over again, I'd probably look more closely to schools like that because I think I can. I'm like I'm, what? And like what? No, just uh, having like an oral oral examination oh, and yeah. taking and taking the the physics theory more seriously, mm-hmm. um, just to get over that barrier and then just getting into a decent like you know. I mean, the school mm-hmm. I go to is decent. It's actually really good, but yeah, it's uh, it's just the trouble of of a written exam a lot of the time is it's it's very stressful at least yeah. at least for me but i understand that i have i've that's just an aspect of like the way i think yeah Where i approach problem solving is is not really um doesn't really add to when i take exams yeah yeah <laughs> so so yeah if you're one of these type of people just just try to yeah try like terrence is saying try to get try to put your like your strengths and weaknesses and what you think you can do what you think you can't do um, if you don't have any confidence talking in front of people, then maybe yeah, written exam is probably yeah, the way to go. Maybe that's a good point, a good thing. Yeah, um, go to a school that yeah, just I know people who you know we know people in the graduate program who like grading over teaching a class. Yes, I'm like fuck that. Why would yeah. you ever want to grade? <laughs> <laughs> no, I 100. I mean, you agree. have to still grade when you teach a class, but it's so much easier than trying to grade graduate student homework. Uh huh. I 100% agree, but there are people like that. There are people that yeah, just, exactly. Some people prefer that. So just know just your type. Not talking to anybody, just burying your head in the books and just you know, right. doing the work. And yeah, and I mean, by all means, do by it. By all means, yeah. So, Use your skill set. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if the did you want to leave off on any, with anything? Uh, we had that list of things of why students fail graduate oh, school. Oh, this is interesting. Students. So I wanted to just pick through that a little bit and Ooh. see what you thought. This about one was, some of the tips. This one was interesting. Yeah, so we got this list here of um, this guy, what's his name, Matt or something? Matt Might. 
Matt Might. That's how it says. Okay, Matt Might. Matt Might. So he wrote a reason of the common reasons. Huh? M-I-G-H-T, by the way. Whoops. Oh, Might. I opened my Gmail. Okay. Please don't zoom in on this. (laughs) Well, it's available on the internet, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, Matt Matt Might. uh, he, He says 10 easy ways to fail a PhD. Yeah, so he's he's kind of I think he's like a PhD uh, advisor or something mm. for a bunch of students. So he's kind of made a, or compiled a list of the things that he's noticed and why people fail their mm-hmm. PhDs. Mm-hmm. And and I don't think it's specific to physics, but maybe we could even make it specific to physics and kind of comment on some of those things he says. Sure. So it says uh, here. I mean, he's right off the bat. He's like the attrition rate in PhD school is high. What does that mean? Attrition. Uh, well, I mean, he's just saying. Okay, so third third to half will fail. Third to half of people who enroll okay. will fail. But that's all PhDs, not physics specifically. Me- meaning the retention rate is already low. Like, you know, you're more than likely the people that you come right. in with. And I can think about people like that. They're just like, I'm like, man, what happened to that guy? Yeah. Or what happened that's to that girl? Me now. Like, they just disappeared. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, yeah, there's, uh, uh, yeah, just a lot of people will fail out or just call it quits just be like i don't want to do this anymore yeah and i feel like that's more of calling it a failure isn't really like most i think most people just get tired of it yeah get tired of putting up with the bullshit right because sometimes i mean that's the thing you gotta see is you know you know you you'll when if you're in the program you'll understand that the work-life balance gets very skewed yes and that could take a toll on health yeah you know your your quality of life, yeah. All these things, so you're, you're more than likely going to be exploited as a graduate student. Um, and I don't use that word lightly. I mean, <laughs> I, mean I mean it in a, in a serious way. Yeah. It's kind of what you sign up for. Yes. Uh, the trade offs are that you're given access to resources and stuff. That's that's the school's bargaining chips. Yeah. Uh, that they come to you and they're like, well, you know, they're offering you a future. Yeah. And so that's, you're sacrificing your present for that future. And that's how they leverage you. They, they you know for paying you a, a, a sort of poverty wage. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's just, uh, you know, just accept the fact that you are being exploited and that you do have, you, you are probably going to have better options in industry for sure. Um, oh, and actually I kind of, as you said that one, I wanted to spring up real quick. Uh-huh. I found a hack for dental insurance. So our school didn't offer dental insurance, mm-hmm. but you can actually get your teeth cleaned at the School of Dentistry. Oh, interesting. And they only charge you like $15 where we're at. Oh, fantastic. And I was I just actually got an appointment for it. So if you guys don't have insurance <laughs> for your schools, mm-hmm. I actually put on the Twitter, the website you can go to. It's like a place you can go and check where you can get your teeth cleaned in your local, um, in your city or whatever. Mm. And you just go to a dental school and sometimes they offer free cleanings because they need to get students trained on doing it. Oh, interesting. So okay. I was like, oh, nice. Fantastic. Yeah. I'm going to have to try that. Yeah, there's hacks. You just got to look for them. <laughs> <laughs> cheap bastard hacks. Yes, exactly. I'm a cheap motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, he, this guy, Matt, is saying f- focusing too much on grades or coursework is not op- not an optimal use of your time in graduate school. Okay. At least that's what he argues. That's kind of why people fail. That, that that one doesn't make too much sense. Okay, let's talk about well, just that. because there. I mean, okay, his argument is that there should be the optimal GPA is the minimum required GPA plus a an epsilon an epsilon yeah plus a factor of, uh-huh. of epsilon. It just means like well, you know, you have some wiggle room here and there uh, to do better. Yeah, um, but you absolutely want to do the minimum. 
and then do the with the excess spend more time on doing it because you have so many roles to play when you're a PhD student. Yeah. Um, that I, I like to argue. Well, I don't like to argue this, but <laughs> it's something that I tell everybody about what I do as a as a PhD student is I have like three or four jobs, and and if you count that as a whole ass. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You quarter ass everything. Yeah. So there's, <laughs> so you you have to split. You have to but split not that really ass. quarter. You don't quarter ass everything because some things you can half ass more so yes. than others. Yes. So the thing is with the grades part, I think that's one of the more whole assing parts. You have to give it. Yeah, you have to give that one your all while you're in it, or at least a more of a chunk, because that's where your main. If you're on the TA ship. That's the thing that will sink you quicker yeah. in the beginning. Yeah. Then once you start to get out of class and things and start to take more, you know, if you pass your quals and all that, then you can start upping the research mm-hmm. and the grading, you know, the yeah. TAing, that kind of thing. Yeah. If but you, I, yeah, go ahead. No, I'm just saying if you're trying to balance it all, you'll more than likely fall into that hole where it's, you will more than likely half-ass certain things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You've got to redistribute your priorities. Yes. And uh, and constantly adjust them because uh, yeah and grades grades are definitely important. I think they're more important to theory students, yeah, one hundred percent. But if you're an experimentalist, uh, you know, take classes seriously. Do what you learn as much as you can. Learn efficiently, but uh, y- your bread and butter is in lab. You know, yeah, for you. So, um. So yeah, he says uh, some students go into PhD school because they want to learn, obviously, but uh, but taking like non-required classes is something that that he considers a waste of time. And we don't even have that. Op- we never had that opportunity, we so don't. I don't even think that's a normal thing for physics people to do because no. it's already you have so much on your plate as it is. I don't think right. you're even thinking about taking any well, outside of classes. Well, for instance, like if you're condensed matter, you more than likely be pushed to take certain classes over others. For instance, uh, I think we have the option of taking quantum field theory versus uh, many particle quantum mechanics. Very good point. Very good point. So, so you can sort of take the quantum theory route and learn quantum theory, but it's not really going to give you a better picture of the physics when you do condensed matter because condensed matter deals with many particle systems. So, mm. so it's better. You're better off learning in this case, taking that class instead of, I know some people that are more intrigued in taking quantum theory as opposed to quantum particle, quantum many body particle systems. Right. That's um, a very good point. So like even within your discipline, you need to really pick and choose wisely Yes, don't waste your time. Yeah. Don't waste your time. That's something that I think Terrence and I kind of learned a little bit. Oh, yeah. I was trying to take the X minimum amount of classes that I possibly needed. Yeah, I think think the first year was rough because we, I feel like we wasted a lot of time. Yeah. uh, The first year. Yeah. Yeah. That's because we took undergraduate courses. We kind of were in a situation where we had to. Yeah. We definitely could have cut out at least two or three of them. Yeah. So. For sure. Yeah, I think we only took three. Do we take three? We took two. The, no, because we took um, EM2, we took general oh, relativity, we took three. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, then we right. took Classic. classical mechanics. So we could have cut out, cut out two at least. Cut out two at least. Yeah, because uh, the GR was kind of useful. That's kind of an extraneous class, though. Yeah. But we took that as an option to not have to take EM1. Yes. So we were kind of still forced in that position yes. a little bit. 
but but I yeah, wasting don't waste your time. Yeah. Don't don't try not to waste your time. Yeah, and if you're ever grad it. school and they offer you to take undergraduate courses, just don't fucking do it. Just take the graduate courses. Or if you know or take one if you know, if you don't want the full course load of graduate yeah. take take but one. But don't ever take three. Don't take don't three. ever it's take a three. Waste <laughs> of time. It's a massive waste of time. Yeah. So don't do that. And uh and yeah, I agree with him. It it, it can set you up for failure in a lot of ways. Um uh, He's saying don't procrastinate. Well, he's saying procrastinators are also people. Uh, this is one of the procrastinating is one of the reasons why you can fail yeah. out. But this is a problem universally for every inch of life that you'll ever have. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but but he's just saying that procrastination comes from he he believes uh, chronic perfectionism is how he characterizes. Oh, it. I see. Yeah, um, that's true as well. Meaning the what is that saying? How does that saying go? Being the enemy of. Um, Progress or something is something about being good enough or something like that. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know the phrase. It's like good. It's like good enough is is the enemy of perfect or something like that. But it's like when you want to do something, like getting a zero is worse than yeah. The than, getting a fifty or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in that case, and I had situations like that in my first year when I was like, dude, I don't have time right. to do this homework. And I have to turn into zero when I could have easily done maybe f- anything 50 50 on the homeworks. Yeah. Like partition my time equally instead of getting one perfect 100. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. That's one skill I've cultivated a lot over the years, I think, mm-hmm. where I'm actually proud of that now, where I feel like I'm good at just doing something. So you just have to tell yourself to just do it, you know, mm-hmm. no matter what. Even if you have not a clear image in your mind, put down the shittiest version, even. Like yeah. I'll, I'll do the shittiest version ever. The first time, and then I'll look at it the next day and say, "Oh, I can make this better." Because yeah. then your mind will just once you have the ball rolling, you'll be able to fix it and correct it. Yeah, just do some bullshit if you need to at the beginning. Yeah, it it it, it works. You know, you just yes. have to move. Yes. So yeah, don't 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 be a perfectionist. Just do it, like Nike says. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he also says going rogue too soon or too late is a issue. Yeah, I didn't read that one. What does that mean? He's he's just trying to say that if you like when you pick your advisor and you're in your research group and doing research, the, the ideal structure is that your first maybe two to three years you're yielding a lot to your advisor's advice, and then once you start learning about your project enough, you become the expert in that particular in your project. So then, once you have a grasp of what your research is, then you're the one who takes things and basically builds on them, maybe taking the project in a different direction than your advisor would. Mm-hmm, I see. Um, but his argument is that if you do it too soon, you can kind of end up nowhere because you you took the reins when you shouldn't have. You didn't have any enough experience. So it, it's kind of like recognizing when when you should and when you should should yield to your advisor and when to pull back and then when... Because sometimes... Of, of course, this depends on the nature or your the the sort of um, personality of your advisor. Because some advisors are already control freaks, or maybe they're a little bit more like micromanaging people. And then there's the opposite. There's ones that just kind of give you like whatever, just yeah, figure it out. Right. If you have any questions, come to me. And uh, and yeah, it, it's you're be smart about it. Have a plan. Um, but definitely I agree with him for the first part of your PhD yield to your advisor's advice. They yeah. have a lot more experience than you do. Right. And, uh, hopefully they get it right. Yeah. That's <laughs> only sound advice. Yeah. I'm going to 
corroborate you're that. Check off on that. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, otherwise, you 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 can you can risk just thinking that you have an idea of what's going on when you really don't. Right. So, so yeah, don't waste your time. And that's also don't waste your time. But right. uh, remember, in grad school, you're still stupid. Yes. <laughs> he also argues not to treat school like PhD, like school or work. Yeah. Okay. Which is interesting. I, yeah. I don't know if I agree with him, but he was just saying, uh, don't treat PhD a PhD program like it's school or work. And um, he makes a good point, though, if you read on inside of it. What do you mean? Like, what do you what do you agree with him? So he says that you have to treat it like it's biblical, almost like you're always thinking about the problems you're. Your depth of your depth of caring about PhD is going to be at a higher level than work in school, and I think I agree. If you're talking about how a traditional person would do it, of course, with physicists, we kind of have a little bit more experience, I think, from undergraduate because an undergraduate you still even have to do kind of more than the average student, let's say. But it's still in PhD, it's going to be the next level up. But um, yeah, in, in PhD, you can't just go nine to five. Like you're going to have to go from nine to nine or nine to midnight. You know, when we were doing when we were working, I mean, we were we were literally working from 9 a.m. to midnight yeah. daily every yeah. single day for, semesters. you know, semesters. Yeah. So it's not the same as schoolwork. It's mm-hmm. like it's beyond it's it's, it's, if, it's if, it, if it's a job, it's a job where you're always working full time or mm-hmm. overtime. Yes. So it's definitely a ramp up. It's yes. that's that's one of the the issues with PhD that people run into is that you know you're going to have health problems you could have health problems you could have bad dietary problems you could have sleep problems yeah. social problems that all stem from the fact that you're going to have to be dedicating that much time to your work yeah. you will activate psychosis or something <laughs> yeah yeah you will activate something in your brain that turns on I I know people that have literally gone insane yeah I know I know, know so- people who've suicided yeah so I mean. This is not a joke. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the thing is, of course, that's we're not trying to scare anybody. No, but, we're not. You know, you just got to be cognizant of your time. I mean, we can still do podcasts and stuff. I mean, you just have to make time and make sure you can fit it in your well, time. Well, this is also a couple years. Into yeah, of course. <laughs> we're we're kind of past the point of really hell. Yeah. The, the real hell is in the beginning. The first two years. Like, that's hell. major hell. Hellish. Um, yeah. But yeah, as time goes on, you can... You'll get it'll get better. It'll get better. Yeah, yeah. But I th- okay now I, th- I I I can see why I agree with him because yeah. the people that do take it as a nine to five kind of especially job, initially, that's when yeah. you're kind of fucking up. Yeah, you know you're not gonna be able to survive like that. No, no, no. Unfortunately, no. no. Like I think later on you can towards the end you can treat it like a, a job yeah. or something. Yeah, because once you figured it out, once you learn the reins, because you will be lagging behind if you don't take. Like treat it like a like he was saying a monastic experience where it's like yeah you you give your vows you you're gonna your have life. to do it at least at some point yes you know either the, the earlier or the, the end. better the earlier too. the better because yeah. you, if you're younger you can put up you can take that you can take the pain yeah. yeah when you're older you're gonna be like I can't fucking do this you're just gonna be like this is too much <laughs> yeah yeah at this point of course um, I mean when I say the sooner the better I mean like as soon as you get in if you're getting at thirty then yeah you can do it but you just need to have the energy when you're in the beginning and you're primed and you're like excited and everything. It's better to do it then. Yeah. But over the years, you're going to be more and more wore down. So just do it quickly. Exactly. First. Exactly. <laughs> don't stretch. Don't prolong it. 100% dude. And, um, he's saying aiming too low. Some students look at the weakest student to get a PhD in their department and aim for mm. that. Um, yeah, I've even kind of had that a little bit where I've seen a guy who's really weak in my PhD program. And I've almost had a, 
sense of like guilty a guilty pleasure because i was like oh if he's fucking up that bad at least i can't fuck up that bad yeah <laughs> so i could even be a little bit lower yeah yeah, yeah. but that's kind of a bad thing to do yeah mm-hmm. um yeah what, what do you what do you think so you're saying the issue here is that you're comparing your comparatively you're comparing yourself to someone yep. who's worse doing worse than yeah you. Um, the thing is with phd there's no guarantee to pass yeah. <laughs> so if he's doing horribly, that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to pass. So don't get comfortable because someone else is doing badly and thinking that, oh, I can do, I'll be able to just chill. Yeah. Now. If he's doing badly. Yeah. yeah. Luckily, I, I realized that very fast. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you get caught up in it and think, oh, this person's not doing that much, I can hold off. I can hold off. No. Nah, buddy. That person could be gone in like <laughs> next next week. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and then that means you could be gone next week. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, uh, and that's some good advice. Stick, look at your own path, and your path is unique. And take the trajectory you're on. Don't try to compare yourself to others. Try to do what's best for you at all times during the PhD program, because that's something that a lot of people don't take, at least don't think about. At least I didn't. I I didn't really internalize that this was my PhD journey. Right. And this is. It feels like you're having a shared experience with your advisors and stuff because they're the ones guiding you. But at the end of the day, it's you're the one who's giving up time to be here. You're the one who's making a commitment to do this and you should structure it the way that makes the most sense for you. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's very much it reminds me of like being a musician, you know, like when you play music, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times you'll play cover songs you'll find mm-hmm. some cool artists that you like and you'll copy some of their techniques yeah you know like what you like about how they play mm-hmm. but to be a true musician you need to find your own voice it's the same with music art all this stuff so yeah you have to become your own person mm-hmm. phd is the same way you're your own scientist you can't um you can't be someone else you yeah. know, you're just a shitty replica then. You can never replicate someone else. Mm-mm. So you have to be your own person. You can yeah. guide and borrow things from other people, but yes. ultimately that collection of things needs to be spawned into something that's uniquely you. Yes. Agreed 100%. Just, yeah, make it, make it, make it you. Make it, feel, like, borrow, borrow techniques, ideas from people, get their input, whatever. But at the end of the day, put it all together in your own voice and right. stuff. And there's uh, no set blueprint that you can just no. rotely follow. Yeah. Cause one of the things I see, I'm, I'm a senior member in my group now and it's, it's kind of interesting seeing the, where I was two or three years ago. Sorry. Bless you. Excuse me. And, um, and they're always like, wow, you know, you, you have this amazing, you have this project that's giving you good data. And I'm like, you don't understand where I was one year ago. One year ago, I was in, I was in, in purgatory. I <laughs> yeah. was in purgatory. I did not know if I was going to have a project to even like have anything. Right. So you need to, I was like, I was in your situation. I kept jumping from project to project, not finding anything that would work mm-hmm. or give me good results. And, uh, and I mean, yeah, I was like, don't compare yourself to me. So one day you'll, you might strike gold and hit something that, will give you good results or interesting results. Uh, and that's all you can really hope for. Um, right. Some people get stuck in that purgatory fucking pit for years. Very true. Yeah, we know we know somebody like that. Uh, I'm sure we know a couple. We know a couple <laughs> people like that. <laughs> and it's unfortunate because they're, they're really smart people, but they just, they might have bad luck picking projects that give any 
decent results. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway. Anyway, moving on. We're running out of time here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know this guy's saying aim too aim too aiming too high is a problem. Um Oh yeah, too. Yeah. I think aiming too high is better than aiming too low. Yes. You can always adjust aiming too high pretty easily, but aiming too low you're you get you get used to being low. So it's better to be higher yes. than lower. Yeah, it's like aiming what is that saying goes? A- aim for the stars and you can at least land on the moon. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But that's like yeah, it's as true as it gets. If you if you aim high and then you just miscalculate, at least you'll 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 still be variationally on the on the yeah. good trajectory. Yeah. Um uh, so yeah. And then he's saying don't miss the real milestones. Um most schools require coursework, qualifiers, thesis, propo- proposals, defenses, and your final finally your dissertation. Mm-hmm. Uh those are the requirements on paper, but in practice he says um there are three typically you want good publications um and yeah uh and once a student has two good publications they can convince their committee that um they can extrapolate a third and you have a thesis proposal he, he he's just saying that yeah do real research, shit yeah always keep in mind real shit publications speak way loud man especially if you want to go into academia even, yeah. Uh, yeah, especially right. in academia, but even if you want to go in industry, if they see you got publications, they know you you know your shit. Especially yeah. if you want to go in like an R&D field, yeah. you know. I mean, easy yeah. money. And the easy. originality of your work is really important in that yeah. aspect too. I mean, in both aspects, in industry and in academia. So, yeah. If you can if if you're a first author on on a lot of papers, that shows that you not, not only have initiative, but also creativity and can follow through on a project to completion and it's like 100%. a huge huge thing. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I agree. I agree with pretty much everything. Did you think he missed anything? I think that's a pretty good list. I think he's he probably missed some, th- missed some things. You got anything? I mean, obviously time management. Like well, we he kind of, he's kind of said that with uh, procrastination. Oh, okay. But he had phrased it in such a way where it's like procrastinating because you're too perfect. But of yeah. course there's the classic procrastination of you just don't want to do shit. Mm-hmm. But usually I think it's less of a worry if you're in the PhD program because yeah. you're probably already an overachiever as it is. Right. So maybe that's why he didn't include that. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Well, there you go. Yeah. Well, that's it. I hope I hope this was uh, beneficial to a lot of you guys and I uh, hope you stick around for the outro. Bada boom. Wait, 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 wait. What? So let's give him a question. What's oh, yeah, a yeah. question? So you got one? Or no. should I think of one? Um, <laughs> let me think. So I guess my question would be, um, how do you guys feel about um, where you're at test-taking-wise? Mm-hmm. You know, do you like test-taking? Is it annoying? Is it cool? What do you think? Are there any shortcomings you have? I guess just general, how do you guys feel about tests? Mm-hmm. And just leave that in the comments below, and yeah. we'll, you know, we always will reply as quickly as we can. Yeah. Do you think they're a good idea? Do you think they're accurate gauge or measure yeah. of intelligence? Yeah. So just leave that, leave comments. that below, and uh, yeah, we'll get back to you. You made it again, guys. Well, it was a little bit longer. Yeah, it was a little bit longer, but uh, we hope that you walked away with some general sense of knowledge, like I was saying earlier. And just like, comment, subscribe, um, share, share it. Most importantly. Uh, share with all your friends maybe that are thinking about going to graduate school, mm-hmm. uh, especially physics graduate school. And uh, yeah, hopefully this will give you a better sense of what graduate schools look for in terms of like the qualifying exam or just general test taking and stuff. So yeah. Yeah. And guys, once again, 
just follow us on Twitter mm-hmm. at Eigenbros, yeah. eigenbros.com. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got TikTok, Eigenbros2, and then we've got Instagram, Eigenbros. So, yeah, and we will see you guys next episode. Yeah.